Welcome to the Unqualified Scholar Podcast. My name is Todd. I'm joined with my friend Alyssa, and we are going to talk today about something I don't know anything about. All right, what you got? What about Bigfoot? I don't know anything about Bigfoot. Nothing? I Okay, so I remember when I was a kid seeing the grainy picture of a Bigfoot walking through the woods. And there was video. Wasn't there video? Yeah, so probably... What channel would that even have been on? I don't remember. It was so long ago because I'm, you know, old. Before the internet. Yeah, before, yeah. Although the internet could probably find it, right? Probably. I have seen a guy on TikTok, okay, who is displaying, like, carcasses of Bigfoot people. So, like, people who are Bigfoot that have died or like things that have been killed by Bigfoot. No. Yeah. 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 The first. So okay. Bigfoots that have died and he's okay. showing their parts like here's a female who's blah, blah, blah. So it's not just one Bigfoot. It's a community. So are of- they big feet then? <laughs> That's where I was going. Or Bigfoots. I don't know. I Yeah. Um, but I, I don't find him very credible. So that's where like. The, the trained researcher in me just kind of goes, hmm, my detector kind of goes off. My radar goes up, and I'm like, this doesn't really look like a thing. <laughs> so I did meet a guy who believed in mermaids. Okay. And he believed in mermaids based on a Discovery Channel special. And he believed in mermaids more than he believed in the existence of Jesus Christ. Interesting. All over one documentary. Yeah. And so I downloaded like the, like the first episode, mm-hmm. and it was obviously faked. <laughs> they were not mermaids. And I'm sorry, hey, if you're like the Bigfoot people and you happen to be listening today, or if you're the mermaid people, I love you, but I don't think I believe in Bigfoot. Yeah. What, what about you? Do you believe in Bigfoot? I mean, there's possibility that there is one out there, but There's I'm, one? The, but I don't think there's a whole community. No? No. Would they live in villages? Well, yeah, that's the question. Like, there's there's just there's too many questions. Yes. So what Okay, so you're you're going to go with pro Bigfoot. Yes. And I'm going to go with anti Bigfoot. Where do you stand on mermaids? Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just to be contrarian, I'm going to go with there has to be something Right, okay. because the, I'm going to say that the ocean is like vastly bigger. Yes, and so there's a greater chance, not so much of a human fish hybrid, but of something that would lead you to believe in mermaids. Okay, simply because the ocean is way bigger than the land. Very true. That's that's all I'm going to go with there, and part of that is just to be contrary. <laughs> Good to know. But something I do know a little bit about um, is reading the Bible. And so I want to, uh, like part of my purpose in life and in ministry is to help people read the Bible better. Now, when I went to seminary, um, they were really good. And one of my professors was really good about um, like pushing us to do more. And the way he would do it, he was kind of a curmudgeon. And he would be like, nope, go read more. Nope, go read more. And 
like after a while I got kind of irritated because I'm like, I'm reading until my eyes are like pooling out of my head here. <laughs> and you know, what I figured out is that that was kind of his motivational technique, you know, and his, his, what he wanted us to understand is that there's a lot to learn about reading the Bible best. Okay. So like, if you want to study Greek and Hebrew, mm-hmm. and if you wanted to get into like all of the nitty gritty details of the ancient text, right? There's a lot. And that's what he was pushing us to understand. So I learned to appreciate him, even though it took a while. But this is not reading the Bible best. This is reading the Bible better. So this is for somebody who maybe you became a Christian, you know, years ago, and somebody told you, read the Bible. And you're like, okay. How? How? How do I do it? And how do I do it better? And also, like, um, <clears throat> the Bible isn't like every other book. Like, you start in the beginning, right? It's the book of Genesis, right. right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Great. Okay, we're in story mode. This is a great story. But then you get to Leviticus. <laughs> and Leviticus is actually a very beautiful book, but not the easiest to read. Correct. So what's your favorite part of Leviticus? nothing nothing ouch oh all the rules right right all right let's pull up some leviticus uh the lord called to moses is it leviticus 316 no that's not moses And the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering with a pleasing aroma. All fat is the Lord's. Pleasing aroma? Fat. Pleasing aroma? Fat burning? Fat bourbon? Yeah, I mean, they're grilling out. It's nice, pleasant, pleasant aroma. Is it charcoal or propane? Um, So it's probably a wood fire. Wood fire on the altar. Yeah. But that's like, okay, so in the King James, in the old King James, the fat belongeth to the Lord. And I carry a few extra pounds, so I just think that God loves me enough that he wants to call me his. So that, I'm misinterpreting Leviticus 3.16 on purpose, right? (laughs) Um, And Leviticus starts off with all the different offerings that people used to do back in the Old Testament. And all of those things, like the burnt offering in particular, was an offering of complete devotion. You're devoting yourself symbolically, completely to God. Mm -hmm. And that's something that, I, I don't know, I think as a Christian, like, what does God want from me? half-hearted effort, you know, just come to church from time to time. No, he wants devotion. He wants all of me, just like he did back then. I just don't have to burn anything on the altar. And I could, you know, like cooking out could be the kind of thing that you do as a Christian with other Christians to, you know, enjoy fellowship, right? Yeah. And think about Leviticus 3.16 while you're barbecuing. But what we have talked about a little bit is to to sort of start with the book of Ruth. Yes. And the reason that we started with Ruth is because we are currently in church. We're in a series about Judges. And Judges is a hard book to preach because Judges is a book of warning. And it's about the warning or the dangers of idolatry. And there are a lot of things that <clears throat> that people create as idols in their lives, things that we fear you know, become idols. Um, you could think about somebody who is, um, 
you know, if you're afraid about the economy. And so you pour a bunch of money into the stock market to try and uh, rescue yourself from inflation. Okay. That, that is a fear that could become an idol in your life because it is attracting all of your devotion, things that entice us, um, recreation, sports, um, go sports, um, <laughs> jobs, career, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. If you've ever met somebody and their whole personality is whatever, like there's some people who their whole personality is weed, right? right? right. Those people, you know, God bless them. Those, there's some Christians who are like that. But when your whole personality is wrapped up in something, maybe you have a problem. Right. So things we fear, things that entice us, things that we need. So needs can become a big source of idolatry. Um, Especially if they're not being met. Especially if they're not being met. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's where um, Ruth Ann grew up very poor. My wife grew up very poor. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not saying that this is an idol in her life, but we have food all the time. Like if you come to the house and you're like, hey, I'm hungry, we can feed you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Most of the time she has ingredients in the house and I don't know what to do with them. But she does. And so if she's here, if you came hungry, you'd be fed. Somebody who had food insecurity, that could become an idol for them. Mm-hmm. Um, things we need. What's the other one? I said it in church. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Things we fear, things that entice us. Well, that something I don't know. I have to go look it up. <laughs> but as we start with the book of Ruth, um, so we're in Judges now, and the book of Ruth happens at the time that Judges happens. And so the first line in the book of Ruth is this. In the days when the Judges ruled... There was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Okay, so the way that you would read this better, uh, I have a study Bible in front of me. This is the NIV study Bible. It's, it's fine. Um, there are any number of study Bibles that you can get in any number of different formats. Uh, for example, um, like I'm just pulling up some stuff on my software right now. Like I've got the uh, ESV study Bible uh, on my on my notes or on my software. And that can be very, uh, very helpful. Sometimes having a study Bible in one translation and another Bible in a different translation, that can actually help. Um, let's see here. I've got the software all goofed up. I have the New Living Translation in front of nice. me. Nice. So what does the New Living Translation say for verse 1? In the days of the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judea left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. So what I would tell somebody to do, like as you start, actually what I would say first is read the introduction. Okay, so most study Bibles will have an introduction where they try to help you understand the the time and the social setting of what's happening here. This is the beginning of the Iron Age. So um, archaeologists and historians have these different ages that people uh, lived in, and this is the beginning of the Iron Age. So you're shifting from some things like uh, bronze and copper, those metals would be around. Mm -hmm. Now we have iron, and iron is going to be brittle but much harder than some of these other metals. So the at the beginning of the Iron Age, if you had the ability to use iron tools, you would then outclass your competitors, all the other nations around you. So the big nations, probably Egypt and uh, Persia, off to the, off to the, is that east? Off to the east of the people of uh, 
the, the people of God who lived in the country called, uh, the dirt would be called Palestine, okay? Sometimes it's called the Levant, okay? So that's the area to the east of the Red Sea. Wow, now it's geography, something I might not know a whole lot about. But this is where these people are living in this area that's kind of like the back and forth between the powers of the east and the powers of Africa. And so they kind of get pushed around a lot. And so if you had iron tools, that was a big deal. And if you didn't have iron tools, you were toast. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking. Okay. So the way that I would read this better is first I would read the introduction material. Um, <clears throat> and the NIV study Bible does a good job. Any study Bible is going to do a good job. Well, okay, that's I can't say that. Most modern reputable, you know, good, popular study Bibles are going to give you good information about background, okay? Mm -hmm. Some of the background is not very controversial. Some of it is. Like, when did the flood happen? I can't give you a date on that one. Well, isn't there a date, like, in the Bible? <laughs> See, it's tough, right? Like, <laughs> these are hard questions. Um, when did the flood happen? When was, how long ago was the creation? It was at the beginning. Okay, so the book, back to the book of Ruth. Okay, so it's the Iron Age. People are having these technological issues. We have Egypt. We have uh, Persia, people off to the east. And uh, in the days when the judges ruled. So one of the things that we've seen in the book of Judges is that it's kind of described like the wild, wild west. Okay? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, what does that mean? What does that look like? As you get into the book of Judges, you realize that one of the big problems is idolatry. And idolatry is when you replace the one true God with something else. Mm -hmm. And in the ancient world, we talked about this in church, um, I used a football as an example. Now, if you happen to watch football or love football, or if your whole personality is football, that's okay. Well, it might be okay. But <clears throat> we struggle to understand how an object could attract the devotion of a group of people, right? Mm -hmm. How could you worship a thing when you know it's a thing? Well, when you think about football, what's all wrapped up in football? There's community, right? Mm -hmm. There are a group of people who get together. They watch games together. There are rivalries, right? Yeah. What's your favorite team? I'd have to say Michigan. Michigan? Like which one? Uh University. University of Michigan. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I know a guy who used to play there. Really? Yeah. Personally? Yeah. Yeah. He's Kyle Young. He's a good friend of mine. Oh, okay. He's the guy who was my boss at the last job. Yeah. Oh. He played with Tom Brady. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like two steps away from, or one step away from Tom Brady. Wow. Six degrees of. Six degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they really are, like, chummy. No, not anymore. I, I don't know. They, they could be best of friends, and he just didn't tell me. But Okay, so anyway, football. What's wrapped up in it? There's the, the people, the community. There are the rivalries. There are um, the chants, like all of the fight songs. Mm -hmm. Do you happen to know U of M's fight song? I, yeah, do. I, I don't either. I go sports. Um, <clears throat> if I was to pick a rival... You know, maybe I would say Michigan State, 
right? That's a big rivalry. Mm-hmm. Michigan State, University of Michigan, big game. What happens on game day? All of these fans come flocking to the stadium to watch these people play ball, and they chant and they yell and they get into it. And that's the thing about idolatry. There are rivalries. There are teams. There are chants. There's community. There's a party, right? Right. I mean, how often do you get to go tailgating with a bunch of football fans? Sounds like torture to me. <laughs> but it was the days when the judges ruled and the people are the people of God <clears throat> are constantly distracted by the atmosphere of idolatry. And unfortunately not much has changed. Right. Yeah. Because we continue to get drawn away into things that we feel make us feel safe, things that make us, you know, feel like we get what we need, things that feel like a party. And so in that time, and there's a couple of ironies here, right? So in the days when the judges ruled, this is the ESV, there was a famine in the land. So most of the time, people in the ancient world ate bread. That was their staple food, okay? Mm -hmm. So you get the grain, you grind up the grain, and there's a lot of labor that goes into this. You grind up the grain for the day's food. You prepare it into some sort of dough, right? Right. I don't know about baking either, right? So uh, you make some sort of dough, and then you bake it. It could be baked on a flat rock. It could be baked in a little oven. However you would make the food for the day for the family. Um, The biggest thing was bread. Meat was a luxury. And so we we as a culture eat a lot of meat, Mm -hmm. right? Because we have things like refrigeration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's beef in the freezer, right? There's the, we have that kind of thing. They would be able to dry meat. Okay. But every time you took, yeah, desert dry. Yeah. Every time you took an animal from your herd, there was an expense, right? Right. Because what you wanted was for your flocks and herds to increase so that your wealth would increase. So, um, there's a famine in the land. There's no, no bread. Now, the irony here is a man of Bethlehem, which means house of bread. Ah, so there's no bread in the house of bread. Now, how do we know that? If you look at your study Bible, here's the ESV on my screen here. The period of spiritual, social, and political unrest, and it gives some references, engendered the desire for a king. Okay, so maybe the king will save us. Who could give rest like that finally achieved by David? A famine was sometimes a divine scourge, but it could also advance God's purposes as it did for the sons of Israel in Joseph's time. Okay, so famine is the kind of thing that happens in the world. We're insulated from famine by our modern systems of moving things around the globe. You know, where do your tomatoes come from? A lot of times they come from Egypt. Okay. Um, Have you ever been in Subway and they're like, yeah, we don't have any tomatoes? You, that's never happened to you? No. Okay, so I eat a lot of Subway. I used to eat a lot of Subway on the road. And sometimes you'll pull up to a Subway and they're like, yeah, we don't have any tomatoes. And you're like, what? This is America. How can we not have tomatoes? Well, there's a global shortage. There's a famine somewhere in the world that's affected the supply of tomatoes or cucumbers or whatever. Okay. Bethlehem, literally house of bread, is often associated with David in the Old Testament. Okay, David came from Bethlehem. But that's future time from the book of Ruth. See, it gets confusing when they add in David when that's future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where, like, having that, that should be in the introduction, like giving you the timeline of where we are in, in history. 
And when you start with that kind of stuff, and I always tell people, look, read with a notepad and write questions. So don't look at the footnotes and all the little maps and stuff. Don't look at that yet. Write questions first. Who is, okay, what about the judges? And that's what we're talking about. When the judges ruled, you can do all of this for yourself. Okay, there was a famine. Okay, you can look up famine. Sometimes there's something in the notes. Um, sometimes a divine scourge. Um, okay, but that doesn't really just tell us about what a famine is. Right. This is where, like, your study Bible can only take you so far because it's only going to use so many pages. This is the NIV study Bible. It has uh, 2,482 pages or so. But when you look in, okay, so I have a little library. And one of the books in my library is uh, a couple of different Bible encyclopedias. And so in those Bible encyclopedias, mm -hmm. you can look up the word famine and it will give you more information about famines. Okay, so where were we? It was the time of the judges. Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Bread. No bread. Okay. Uh, let's see. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah. Okay, so now the question that we ask is, what's Judah? Where's Judah? Judah is just to the north, I think, of Israel. I could be wrong. One's north and one's south. Went to sojourn. Okay, he's going to live there for a while in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Okay, so they're, they've moved out to Moab. Now, one of the things that is the background to Ruth is the book of Judges. One of the things that is the background to Judges is the book of Deuteronomy. Yeah, Deuteronomy. <laughs> wow. Um, Deuteronomy can be difficult because it's Moses' sermon on the Old Testament law. Mm-hmm. So the people of Israel came out of captivity in Egypt. They, they were put into kind of a holding pattern on the Sinai Peninsula. For 40 years. For 40 years, yep. The old generation died off. A new generation rose up. They received the law of Moses. Okay, so Moses got the law, Ten Commandments, right? This mm -hmm. is all familiar. Mm -hmm. And in those Ten Commandments, um, like the rest of the law is kind of a uh, application and expansion of the Ten Commandments. So, and there's a lot of compassion in the law that people don't really realize. Um, there were ways that you could become a member of the community of Israel. Um, took time, and there were some rules. But if you were to take this word Moab, let's see, I don't have my mouse here. You can look up in any number of different dictionaries, right? Who is, who is Moab? Where are they? Uh, how are they related to Israel or not related to Israel? Your study Bible may not get into a whole lot of details, but a Bible dictionary or a Bible encyclopedia will. Okay, And there are all different kinds of levels for these kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the one volume, like Eerdman's Dictionary, um, a small... Okay, this is the, the definition of Moab from Eerdman's Dictionary. <clears throat> One of the other things I don't know how to do is completely use my Bible study software. Oh, look, there it is. It's on the right. <clears throat> Moab, a small Iron Age kingdom in Transjordan, sharing a border with the Ammonites to the north and Edomites to the south. 
That sentence is almost helpful. <laughs> so Transjordan is the area across from the Jordan River. We're talking about the Levant or Palestine. So we're talking about the, the area where the Old Testament people of God are located or supposed to be located. According to the Old Testament, each of these ancient peoples had frequent contact with the Hebrews, the people of God, over a long sweep of biblical history. So Moab shows up from time to time. Okay, But there's also some rules in the Old Testament or in the book probably of Deuteronomy about Moab. Let's search for the word and see what comes up. Let's look and see what it says in Deuteronomy. Uh, let's see. You should prepare more for these things, Todd. Yes, you're right. <laughs> Who knows where the conversation is going to take us? True story. Uh, <clears throat> if I remember correctly, and sometimes I do, like there were different generational requirements for people to join the people of Israel. So I have to put that on the sticky side of my brain to sort of figure out. Um, how do we read the Bible better? How do we read Ruth better? Start with verse 1, chat well. Okay, start with introduction. Read the introduction. Okay. Have a pad of paper. Write your questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. Look for the answer in your introduction and study Bible notes. And if you don't find the answer there, you sort of move to more reference sources, right? You just keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's where there's an, all of the stuff that you'll find online, all of the free stuff is free for a reason. So you want to read that stuff with a grain of salt. Things like the Blue Letter Bible, mm -hmm. which you can find online, it's good, but it's going to be stuff that's older and out of date. So let's say, for example, they dig up a whole city of Moabites okay, mm -hmm. from the Iron Age period, and they find out a whole bunch of stuff about them. A dictionary that's 20 years old isn't going to include any of that information. Correct. So you're going to want to look for something more current. And who can help you do that? You. Yeah, me. Yeah, I can help, I can help you do that. So I can help you find those sources. Um, it's the same thing. Like everybody who works in a technical field, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have a technical field. You actually have several different things that you do. Where do you go for information about that field? Somebody more experienced. Somebody more experienced, right? Or there's probably some documentation that you could consult, right? Mm -hmm. um, Alyssa's a car mechanic, and she does that. <laughs> That's how you read the Bible better, okay? Start with questions. Look for answers. And when you get stuck, don't get discouraged, okay? Everybody gets stuck. I've gotten stuck several times in this conversation, right? Right. Did I give up? No. no. Do I feel bad? Do I feel like I'm going to look silly and you guys are never going to come back and listen again? I mean, the only person who listens to this is my mom. <laughs> right? Right. Yours and mine. Yeah, yours and mine. Yeah. Maybe your husband, my wife, you know, you just never know. Right. I don't think my wife's going to listen to it. <laughs> She's like, I heard you in the other room. So that's that's really what I wanted to talk about today is just kind of giving an introduction and really we're experimenting a little bit with our technology. Correct. Right? Yes. Um, why don't you turn the monster voice on? I think that's hilarious. Monster. I'm a monster. <laughs> I think that's funny.
Um, but as you, I, I would encourage you, crack open the book of Ruth, ask some questions. And in asking those questions, look for your study Bible to find the answer. When you can't find the answer, call your pastor. Oh, we were going to talk about Bigfoot again. Oh, yeah? I didn't do any research to figure out if there was a Bigfoot. None? No, I, I didn't. Can I change my answer? Can I be pro-Bigfoot now? Of course. I don't think I'm going to change my answer. Okay. Still pro-mermaid, though.